the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, your money, live and in person, happy the holidays, end of the year right around the corner, hopefully uh, it's a good year for you, hopefully, uh, hopefully you max out your 401k, did things along those lines, bit of sad news, no, no, not Debbie Reynolds dying. Uh, I'm okay with that. I've come to terms with that. Bit of sad news. No, no, not Princess Leia dying. I've come to terms with that. Bit of sad news today is I don't think the Dow is going to hit 20,000 this year. I look at the calendar and I go, there's only two more days left in the year, today and tomorrow. So we're not going to have our Dow 20,000 party in 2016. It's up 30 points today. It's only 35 points away. So maybe I just... No, it's only 135 points away. So maybe I just jinxed it to happen. <laughs> All mark... Uh, S&P and Dow slightly higher. NASDAQ slightly lower. Crude oil sits at 54. Um, if I were to move to the, uh, the Middle East, I'd be the Shaw of Blah. That's what my nickname would be. They would call me the Shaw of Blah. Because uh, not a lot's going on, especially today. It's those three days of work in between Christmas and New Year's that everyone's trying to figure out how to look like they're being productive, even though their bosses are on vacation. Who could be the least productive is probably the game everyone should be playing, because that's where we are. So a very thinly traded session yesterday will become an even more thinly traded session today, and probably become an even more thinly traded session tomorrow. Uh, no markets on Monday, so that's good news. We got that going for us, which is nice. Um, things didn't happen. You know, we just haven't had enough pet action, so to speak, and people are starting to stop and do a little bit of digestion, maybe from uh, Christmas dinner, maybe from recent gains that they've had inside their portfolio. You get the idea. When you take a look at names like NVIDIA, 
uh, in its last month that's had such a rock and roll kind of, of experience running from jeez, uh, maybe seven, maybe eighty-five dollars all the way to one hundred and nineteen. Now it's pulled back to one hundred and five. Nvidia is going to be at the heart of virtual reality and a lot of artificial intelligence and things along those lines. So yeah, there's a play there. But with a pretty high PE, unless it comes back even more to the mid 90s, it's tough to say, wow. Because even then you'd be able to say, wow, it's ran from 85 to the mid 90s. So we'll see where that one goes. But that's kind of what's going on on Wall Street today. It's kind of a, a breather, uh, end of the year breather. So a modicum of buy the dip efforts uh, supported yesterday. You know, yesterday the you know the market got a little caught off guard when the dollar weakened and the yen strengthened, and there was a little bit of a pullback. The economic data has come and gone, no big surprises. Um, here's how you can put your loved one to sleep: read them the Advanced International Trading Goods Report for November. Ooh, it's a doozy. It showed a widening in the goods deficit to 65.3 billion from an upwardly revised deficit of 61.9 billion. That was owed to exports being 1.2 billion less than October exports. Like, oh boy, that's a humdinger of a slow one. Uh, but today we do get initial claims, and uh, for the weekend in December 24th, it showed claims uh, dropping 10,000 down to 265,000. Oh boy, that's a humdinger. Uh, that's a good number. And again, it's the 95th consecutive week that. We've been that low, and that's one of the reasons 95 consecutive weeks of low first-time unemployment claims has helped the economy, and uh, the economy has helped the stock market. The elbow's connected to the shoulder. Same thing with uh, Wall Street. It's all kind of interconnected between the jobs report, the economy, and the stock market in the long run. So natural gas and crude oil inventory data is out this morning. And we'll pay a little bit of attention to that so as it as it gets released. But again, nothing really jumping up and down and worthy as far as stories at this point in time today. Um, so again, today would be a good day to go maybe listen to Bloomberg um, if you really, really want it to. Now, just keep in mind, I'm going to give out my top stock pick of the year later in the show. But if you want to change the channel, you're more than welcome to. So Apple and Samsung dominated Christmas wish list this year. Um, but both had a lackluster holiday season. Yahoo's Flurry Analytics looked at new phone and tablet activations between December 19th and 25th. Both Apple and Samsung still dominated, but Apple saw a fall in share while Samsung saw a slight increase. This year, 44% of activations globally were Apple devices, a decline from 49.1% last year. Meanwhile, 21% of activations were Samsung devices, a tiny rise from 19.8% last year. Um, both figures are surprising, you know, given that Apple released two new flagship iPhones in September and Samsung went through its Note 7 scandal, where the phone would blow up like a grenade. Uh, Apple unveiled the iPhone 7 and the large iPhone 7 Plus in September, and people have been pretty underwhelmed. It's like, yeah, 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 more of the same. Ooh, better camera. Ooh, faster processor. Uh, those aren't really ooze at this point in time. Maybe a glass case in the future. Maybe Apple's working on a phone that cures hemorrhoids. Like, I'd be like, ooh. 
uh, analysts suggest that Apple iPhone 7 should help Apple see single-digit iPhone unit growth in its fiscal 2017, while growth should be double-digit in fiscal 2018, tied towards that special edition iPhone 8, which is the 10th anniversary of the iPhone, which, take a look at your iPhone right now and go, ooh, you're only nine years old, my baby. You're only nine years old, my little sweet baby. So Google is left out of this conversation because they ultimately hold the third in positions. Um, actually, activations for the third are Huawei and LG, which is remarkable as both manufacturers do not have an individual device within the top 35 devices activated. So the Google Pixel um, got good market reception but it struggled to drum up any excitement. Kids aren't exactly going, Daddy, Daddy, I need the new Google phone. Maybe they are, but I don't have kids that are saying that. So, Amazon has won a patent for a flying warehouse. Ooh, now this is kind of cool. This sounds like something out of the Avengers, a flying uh, destroyer or a flying aircraft carrier. Nope. A patent for a flying warehouse that will deploy drones to deliver parcels in minutes. Amazon is building a Death Star of Commerce. They've got an e-commerce patent for an airborne fulfillment center that has a death ray attached to it. It may be an airship or a blimp. It would float around 45,000 feet. You'd be stocked with TIE fighters, loads of products, and drones. So there you go. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Burger King Tim Hortons going to curb the use of antibiotics used in chicken. I'm like, why ruin such a good piece of chicken, right? They're taking the good stuff out of it, the antibiotics. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. One area that I'm particularly fond of in 2017 is healthcare stocks. Wall Street's going to look back on healthcare and wonder how things went so wrong with the once high flying sector. Down 4.3% since the start of the year. The sector is not only the worst performing one in the Standard Poor's 500 index, but it could be one of two to end the year in the red. So healthcare stocks is something to think about. It's a huge about face compared with the past five years when healthcare stocks often led the market. Some eye-popping returns. You could take a look at like a Janus Global Life Sciences Fund to start getting some ideas. Um, there's funds tied towards uh, exchange-traded funds at 
and index funds in particular. Fidelity's healthcare uh, select fund is a great one. Some of the names that you know stand out: uh, Amgen, Celgene, Regeneron, Medtronic, Boston Scientific, Aetna, Humana. All are some of the ones that you know really uh, say, "Let's take a look." Speaking of, let's take a look. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton and talk a little financial planning as the year wraps up. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He manages wealth for clients, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little bit of mutual funds. And maybe let's take the angle of the introductory to a mutual fund. What do we need to know? Well, I think it's a matter of comparing apples and apples. Okay. Um, you know, with the whole idea of index investing and job local from Vanguard, um, people got almost too fee sensitive. I mean, it's very important to look at fees when it comes to mutual funds, but people look at a large cap fund and see, or an ETF, which now has four basis points. So four tenths of 1%, you can invest in the entire market through things like iShares. Yeah. Um, and so then they look at an international fund and see fees of around 1% or more, and they think, oh, I'm not going to touch that international fund. No, the issue is, is that, yeah, that international funds are already just going to have higher fees because you, you want boots on the ground in those countries that they're investing in. You want to have the analysts know the companies, visit the management, things like that. So there's already more cost. So fees, when you look at the returns, especially if you're using Morningstar.com as a tool, the returns are net of fees. So you have to realize that. Sometimes you get what you pay for when it comes to fees. So what I like to concentrate on, what I always talk about, is when I'm investing in a broad stroke of large-cap U.S. stocks and large-cap or in mid-cap U.S. stocks, that's where I really, really like to use index funds or ETFs, all right? Um, or if I'm in a positive market for bonds where interest rates are steady and or coming down and all bonds look fairly attractive, index funds or ETFs are a good way to go there. When it comes to small-cap international emerging markets or any alternative investments, you can, if you do the homework, find the funds that outperform the indexes. And what I mean by that is if you look at a, an index that's in you know, China, for example, a lot of times you'll look at that index and say, really, I don't want to own all of those companies that are in that index. I want a manager to be much more specific. So that's why I think managed funds in small-cap, international emerging markets make more sense than index funds. Can I slow you down a bit? Sure. What does return net of fees mean? Well, so when you're seeing a return, um, you know, let's say you look at a, a international index fund, like the MSCI index, and the return is 16%, but you see a managed mutual fund where the return for 2012 was 15 or 16% or 17, 18%. It, those returns are showing you net of the fees. It's your real return. Okay. Um, so it has the fees built into the them. fees are built into the return, and but people still they look at the return and then they see the fees. Even though the return is lower, they say, "Oh, the fees much lower, so I'm going to buy that fund." That's not necessarily the right thing to do. It's a bad way to shop. Yeah, no. Uh, shopping on price tag alone sometimes you get lower quality. No, shopping on the way the the real way to shop for managed mutual funds too is is you look at you know three, five, and ten year average returns. Yep. And then you look at consistency. You look at items like know what standard deviation means. If a fund has the two funds have the same uh, longer term returns, look at the standard deviation. The one with the lower standard deviation has more consistency, less volatility. Um, and then look at how long the manager's been there. Make sure the manager or the management team has been in place for the length of the track record. 
um, because too many funds change when they get a new person at the helm. And it's interesting for me to look at 10-year returns in large part because you're just, you, you fired today, you're like, one, three, five, 10 years. To me, 10 years means how did it do after 9-11? How did it do with Bush's president? How did it do with Obama's president? How did it do with uh, the 2008 market correction? How did it do with their recovery? Did it out, did it outperform in good times? Did it underperform in bad times? Like, I need to know this stuff, or at least I need to think about it so I know I'm educated going into a, a purchase. Yeah, and you need to see what happened. Did, did they make big bets to get the returns? In other words, you want to look at the funds and, and realize what their you know annual holdings tend to be. They report to you on a quarterly basis, and if you start seeing too much weight in a certain sector where they're trying to make big bets to make up for mediocre returns – that's when you get a little bit wary of the fund and say, okay, well, they're they're just trying to catch up and they're taking on too much risk. What do we need to know about alpha and beta of mutual funds? Well, beta is how how much risk, well, how much movement you're going to have versus whatever index it's following. So if you have a large cap fund and it has a beta of one, if the market moves up 5%, your fund's probably going to move up 5%. If it moves down 10%, your fund's probably going to move down 10%. Beta of less than one means it, it moves a little bit less. So as the closer you get to retirement, the more you want to pay attention to the beta because you want exposure in those areas, but you want lower beta, lower volatility because you're drawing on your portfolio. Typically, uh, dividend-paying stocks that increase their dividends have a little bit lower beta in the long run, and that's why you focus more on that towards retirement. Alpha is a measurement of are you being compensated for the ex- extra risk that you're taking. So when you can run a portfolio through, say, Morning Morningstar, and you're overweighting in small cap, mid cap, emerging markets and taking on more risk, are you truly being compensated for that risk? And that's important, the the more money that you have. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He manages wealthy clients. You can learn more information about him at newfocusfinancial.com. So you know I like zombies, right? Social Security Administration is is famous for thinking that you're dead when you're not dead. And you, if you end up on the Social Security Administration's master file of death, um, your bank account will be frozen, your credit cards are closed, your health insurance cut off, your benefit payments canceled or even pulled back from checking accounts. Um, utilities can be shut off. <laughs> it can be kind of crazy. Now, on the show, you'll hear me joke, like, if your mother dies, consider burying her in the backyard and continue get that paycheck it's a joke but sadly people do commit crimes and do exactly that more than 36,000 living people were erroneously listed as dead between 2007 and 2010 with the social security administration that's one of those things you hope never happens to you because it is a hassle to prove surprisingly that you're not dead you can find me at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show That's 800-516-1220.
516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. You ever feel like you got into the wrong career? There's a teenager who makes $1,500 a night eating dinner in front of a webcam in South Korea. Is that not crazy? Crazy good. Um, Amy Schumer teaches us a real estate lesson. Now, I'm not one of those guys who watches so many comedy specials that I can quote Amy Schumer's funniest shtick. I know she does stand-up, and I know she does movies. I know she's a little bit of a realistic-looking woman. And uh, sometimes she catches heat for it, and sometimes she catches praise for that. She's a raging success, but she's making more money now than she has ever. So she's trying to figure out what to do with that penthouse that she bought a couple years ago. Uh, 850 square foot, one bedroom apartment, occupying the entire top floor of a historic 20 foot wide townhouse. So it's not exactly a palace, but it is the penthouse on a historic 20 foot wide townhouse. It's near the Natural History Museum, which is pretty darn cool. Um, she bought, well, she didn't buy. She listed the house for $2.07 million. And she cut the price multiple times. It most recently was selling for $1.62 million. So she lowered it by $400,000. It's a mini jewel with wood-burning fireplaces in the bedroom and living room. A clawfoot soaking tub in the bathroom and a staircase to your private rooftop garden. A perfect place to unwind or entertain, all while enjoying beautiful views of New York City. She bought the place in 2014 for $1.69 million, and she sold it for a loss of 70000 Probably a 170000 if you include broker fees as well. Um, so it shows you that not everything always goes up. So there's a big construction boom going on. New, new supply of high-end condos is flooding the market and continues to flood the market for years and years to come. So you would think that owning a piece of good real estate in New York for the period that she did would have been suffice enough to um, be a winner. But as it is, two and a half, three years, not enough to pull it out. So she lost Good $170,000. Let's talk a little more real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental properties. Hey, Rob. Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you or the words mean to you? Investment property. And I think that's something that you, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're getting a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, wow. We have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home, um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while, and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money, and they want to buy some rental property because it's something maybe their parents have done. Uh, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or friends, uh, and they get exposure that way. 
I live in part of the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Mm-hmm. Multifamily was a one of the reasons we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. Right. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years, we saw a lot of almost 30 to 35% of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, a A lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. um, So what you're saying there, sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you. And they'll do and help you get the loan and and so on and they'll and management fees etc. So it's there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisements and incitements to get into this into the real estate business as equities increase here in the Bay Area. Prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards um, I don't want to I don't even know how to say this, but. That, a lot of individuals want to own individual properties, and then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner, and I hate that. I would rather you own publicly traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not writing why, a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories yeah. than I do. You work yeah. with people on an individual basis, and you also have uh, – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually people who are successful at buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. It's because I, I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, <laughs> yeah, and they, they actually have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like... If, there was a guy, he owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it. Aqueduct City um, that has no aqueduct. Mm-hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out. But they have to have water. So I'm, you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, certainly do. So real quick, what does the person, what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, somebody who can, it's extra money for them. Okay. To spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said I have about 
$50,000, I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole, you know, qualifying process and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their, this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, remember a couple of years ago, there was a big LED bulb story that everyone seemed to talk about and investing in LED bulbs. They last practically forever. They use very little power, size of a normal bulb. You can screw it into any lamp or fixture. Um, bulb stays on. Um, in a power drop, it's got battery battery backup. There, there's a big story on, you know, LED bulbs, and it never really came to much on Wall Street. So, know that that happens on occasion. Know that, like Apple's iPhone 7 Plus, the portrait mode is a lovely little feature. And, you know, we talk about it, and is it, is it big or is it not big? 7 Plus has two camera lenses, one wider angle, and one a two-time zoom. Um, it's a software trick that lets you blend the zoom to any degree between them. Um, but the two-lens setup has a benefit. It lets the camera tell the foreground subject apart from the background. And with that knowledge, the phone can create a soft, blurry background. And what creates kind of professional-looking portraits. It's a step ahead for sure. Um, some Samsung phones in the past have, have had something like that, but not quite as successful. Um, you know, another uh, area of innovation where will it get bigger or better or will it just be kind of okay? Um, if you have kids, you know, booster seats are really frustrating. They're just not portable enough. Every time your kid gets into a taxi or a rental car, uh, no booster seat, but more companies are coming up with these crazy carry it anywhere kind of booster seats, and that's kind of a a nice tip of the hat to what people really want as far as innovation goes. Maybe they don't want a drone that could be dropped from a blimp and deliver it to your house, but maybe something as simple as a booster seat that's portable. Um, Uber Beacon is a cool innovation where if you've ever ordered an Uber or a Lyft, you're like, is that it? Is that the car? Is that the car? Is that the car? Well, Uber Beacon is one of those little things that it changes the color of the glow so that you know what to look for. So it's odd how some innovations are really high-tech. And some innovations, like the high-tech toys this year, the Christmas, the Hatchimals, disasters. I mean, they, they made kids cry because they didn't actually hatch. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you want to win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. On January 14th, learn winning strategies from Rob Black and Chad Burton at back-to-back -back events in Berkeley. A morning session will focus on building your wealth. From 10 till noon, Rob Black shows you the building blocks of a successful portfolio. From investing basics to 401k, Roth IRA, real estate, and tax tips. Want to know if you're on the right track? The morning session is for you. Those at or near
near retirement will want the afternoon session where certified financial planner Chad Burton focuses on retirement income strategies. From 1 to 3, he'll explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, and much more. And get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. That's Saturday, January 14th, two seminars at the Doubletree by Hilton, Berkeley Marina. Sign up for either event today at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The holiday shopping season may be the best in years. Surging online orders and last-minute shoppers helped retailers make up for a slow start. Fueling hopes at higher wages, the rising stock market, lower food and gas prices prompted us to spend more. Did you spend more or did you spend less, would you say, this year? I think when all is said and done, I spent less. Um, Jim Cramer's in the news today. His TheStreet.com could be delisted for its low stock prices. I would always be careful with stocks under $5. Not that they're bad, not that they're evil, but they're thinly traded and can be delisted. Um, I've got standards. I don't like buying stocks under 5 bucks. I won't do it unless it's a really, really special occasion. So the shares were as high as $36.1999. Today they're at $0.84. Cents. And again, back in 1999... Financial news was kind of sexy and people wanted to day trade. Um, today, not so much. It goes to show you that, you know, in just 15, 20 years, things changed pretty aggressively. Uh, you know, media stocks two years ago looked rough. And then you get a Trump presidency and media stocks are shining like, woohoo, kind of sexy superheroes. Um, just throwing it out there. Hollywood had a pretty big year. Disney had a bigger year in context of the Hollywood year. The Jungle Book, Zootopia, the last two Star Wars releases, The Force Awakens, The Rogue One. Uh, not too shabby in any way, shape, or form. So, Burger King and Tim Hortons have announced that they're going to curb antibiotics uses in chickens. And this to me is a play on the millennials where they're going aggressively out of the way to say we don't want bad things in our food um, it's generation X we kind of fought the fight we're like um, we want taste of food that's cheap but millennials were like we'll pay more money for it if it's if it's better for you Damn you, millennials, and you're conscious. Um, but again, that's a trend. And I want you to pay total attention to the, you know, what I just magically said there. That's a trend. And investing in trends can make you very, very, very wealthy. Um, try to figure out what the millennials are doing. Why? Because they spend the money 
the most stupidly right now. They'll pay more money for better quality food, but notice they're paying more money. Um, and again, not a horrible thing. Just an acknowledgement. And again, I'm not knocking millennials. I love millennials. I love them, I love them, I love them, I love them, I love them. So, um, other big stories of note. Is that my tribute to Debbie Reynolds? Might be. Or Liza Minnelli. Or a combination of the two. Twitter's battling Facebook for live streaming supremacy. They've now launched a 360 Live. Um, so it's a 360 live video streaming to its streaming app, Periscope. Its latest update is attempts to fend off the threat from Facebook. Um, interesting to note, right? So elsewhere out there in the news, it's now is a very good time to buy a used car. Uh, new car, used car prices are dropping now for the first time since the big recession. I think that's worthy of note. Um, I like used cars. Uh, aggressively. So they're down about 4% on average compared with 2015. It's the first material decline in a while. Um, if you can get a two-year-old used vehicle, I much prefer that than a brand new car. Companies, Car companies have pushed low monthly payment auto leasing in a big way. In 2011, leasing accounted for about 20% of the new car market. Now it accounts for about 35%. Um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, one area that I find um, compelling to talk about is the number of Americans who are saying, you know what, I'm retired, I didn't save enough, I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm going to move overseas. So you apply for Social Security and you retire into Mexico or Canada, it's happening more and more. People want to find places where they can afford to live off their Social Security they want good weather. They want beauty. So the number of Americans uh, retiring outside the United States grew 17% from 2010 to 2015, and that's expected to increase over the next 10 years. Right now, there's 400,000 American retirees who are living abroad, typically in Canada and Mexico, but Japan, Mexico, um, and the United Kingdom as well. And you know the number one reason they're citing is the high cost of living or in this case, going to a community where it's half as much as you're paying, you know, in a similar type of locale. So you can go from Texas to Mexico, um, very moderate weather, and utility bills are pretty inexpensive. Uh, retirees also can find it less expensive to hire someone to do their laundry, clean, cook, provide long-term care than it is in the United States. Now, this is getting prepped and getting ready for a big hurdle in retirement, right? So, do you speak Spanish or not if you go to Mexico? Do you speak Canadian or not if you go to Canada? So, some people speak very little Spanish and very little Canadian. Take off, you hoser. No way. A, if you don't know what I just said, you can't live in Canada. So, um, in the United States, it is very expensive. Now, the cost of living is higher in Japan, for instance, but access to health care is not. So sometimes you have to kind of weigh what you're looking at. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.